Welcome to Becoming One Podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Sean Wilson. Hey, thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One Podcast. And I have a message I just want to kind of share a little bit today about absolutes and the dangers of preaching absolutes. And when I say preaching absolutes, I'm speaking of exceeding what the scripture says and making that a law, exceeding what the scripture says and making that a law and making it a a pattern, a defined pattern. But what I want us to understand is as we see in the text, as we see as it pertains to Acts chapter two is what I'm going to refer to today. Um, I cannot preach the word and say that this is how a person is saved. Like, I can't give you step by step how they they're a person is saved. And let me clarify that. Listen to what I'm going to say here. I know that one thing that we all should agree upon. The one thing that we should agree upon is no one can be saved without believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's what Jesus himself said. Anyone that believes in him will receive eternal life. That was his message. And that's the message I'm sticking to. Everything else that we see in scripture is not necessarily that we hear even today, the things that causes division in the church. Some people will tell you that you got to do this to be saved. Some people, you got to say you got to do this to be saved. And that's what we need to get away from. First of all, let me tell you this. Some people say you have to be baptized in water before you can receive the spirit. When I say no more absolutes, let's stop that. Let's not teach that because we know that Cornelius received the spirit when he believed that was before he was baptized. So let's just not preach that anymore in the church and understand that God can save a person any way that he wants. There's many different ways that people receive the spirit of God. Sometimes we even seen people that were baptized in the water but did not receive the spirit until somebody laid hands on them. Sometimes we've seen people receive the spirit of God on the day of Pentecost, the spirit of God fell upon them. There was no water baptism taking place. There was, there wasn't any, and this was new Testament post Christ resurrection. Then we see what Cornelius situation. Then we see what happened where there was people that received the spirit um, after they was baptized. We see people that were speaking in tongues after they was prayed for. So there's very, there's many different ways that we've seen people with the evidence of being born again. It was, it was done in their lives. We cannot. So therefore we cannot preach an absolute and say, it must be this way and just pick every, and then say every other way was just an exception. No, that, that is, that was, that is spiritually irresponsible. And a matter of fact, that's not properly handling the text because we have to preach what the word says, not what we want to push on our own denominational agenda. And this is what I mean about absolutes. Absolutes cause division. When we open it up and we say, you know what? There is no absolute in that. I cannot, I cannot say that you can or cannot do this. Even when we talk about the Sabbath, the Sabbath is people, people, we know the Sabbath is on Saturday. It's never changed. The Sabbath is always the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. With that being said, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter 14, 
we don't have to just worship on the Sabbath. We can honor the Sabbath every day. We can honor the Sabbath tomorrow. I don't have to do it on I don't have to do it on Saturday or Sunday. I can do it every day, one day, twice a day, two days. It doesn't matter. He says that there in the body of Christ, we can do what we want because we're doing it to God as it pertains to our extension and expression of worship. Now I want to stay, I want to stay on track today. And I want to share this piece about the test about the absolutes. Because I want to point at something that's very profound, especially when it comes to this tongues thing. This is what I want to really clarify. Because a lot of people don't understand this. They just they they say we okay, we get the we get the gift of speaking in tongues. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. But what are they saying? What are when a person speaks in tongues, what are they saying? What are they saying? See, that's the that's the key. When a person speaks in tongues, what are they saying? Because in the Bible, it's very defined at what a person says when they speak in tongues. It's clear. It's clear what is said when they speak in tongues in the Bible. It tells us what what is being said. And that's why I want us to go over here to Acts chapter two. And I want to show you something here in the text. And it says that on when the day of Pentecost had came, they were all gathered together in the one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they appeared to them as tongues of fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit was giving them utterance. Now we see people here who was filled with the spirit. There was no baptism other than the baptism of the spirit of what was already talked about, but I don't want to get into that right now either, but I want to focus on the tongues, the tongues, tongues mean language. That's what it means. It means language. How do I know that it means language? It is a known language. It is an understood language. Because this language that they were speaking, it was being spoken in the midst of all of those in Jerusalem. And when we see this in verse five, it says, now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men of every nation under heaven. So there was devout men of under every nation. What does that mean? They had different tongues in those nations. They had different languages in those nations. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. And were bewildered because each one of them were hearing, what was they hearing? Them speak in his own language. Now, I want to tell you that this day of Pentecost was a day of miracle. Because not only were they speaking in another language, also the people that were there were hearing in their language. They didn't hear in everybody else's language. They heard in their own language. So many step over this, this miracle here because this is the discerning of the spirit. The, the actual the discerning, when we hear the interpretation of tongues, God gave them the ability to hear only in their language. And then he gave them an ability to speak in another language. So it was many nations and people were speaking in their, their a, a tongue, a language, in their native tongue language so that they could understand what was being spoken. 
They were amazed and astonished and saying, why are not all these who were speaking Galileans? Because they was not from their native land. They were speaking in another language. They were speaking in a language that everybody would understand. And how is it that we, each of them, we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Listen, it's it's telling us what they're talking about in the scripture. When they spoke in tongues, they spoke in a language that the people heard. This was supernatural, something that was not natural to them. They spoke in another language of, of all the people that came from different nations back to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost as they would because this is something that was celebrated as a custom. And it says that, and in verse nine, I'm not going to go through all of these. They heard their own language, but I want to go down to verse 10. This is not verse nine and verse 10 just talks about the different places that they came from. All right. And then we hear in verse 11 and it says in the Cretans and the Arabs, we hear them in our language speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Now, this is what I want us to pay attention to. This is what I want us to understand. The question that I led with is what are they saying? Well, that's it right there in verse 11. It says that they were speaking the mighty deeds of God. They were speaking the mighty deeds of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that they was glorifying God with their words. They were magnifying God. They were speaking of his mighty deeds. Oh, wonderful. How great you are. Amen. So when they were speaking in tongues, this is what they were saying. And this is what we need to understand is what's happening. Anytime tongues was being spoken, it wasn't that people were just saying something. They were speaking in the language that they heard. Now, what does that mean to us today? If that was the case, then that means that when a person is saved and you hear them glorify God in your language, then they are speaking. They, they are saved. It doesn't have to be a foreign language. It needs to be your language. Oh, my goodness. I mean, come on. Can we see this? Can we see this? Can we see this in the text? Can we see this in the scripture? And can we, can we not, can we not keep saying that it has to be some unknown language, some unknown language? No, it's a known language to the person that hears it. That's why the gift was there. So, when we see this, we understand now what it means in the book of first Corinthians chapter 14. Okay. Let's just go over there. First Corinthians chapter 14. I want us to go to, um, for the sake of time, I want us to go over here too. And I encourage you to read the entire chapter, but let's hear this. I want you to go over to verse 13, first Corinthians 14 verse 13 says, therefore let one, who speaks in a tongue, pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. It doesn't profit my mind because I don't understand what is being said. Verse 15. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if, if you bless in the spirit only, listen, 
Remember I said bless in the spirit. That's the same thing as glorifying God. If you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place with the ungifted say the amen? How can people say amen if they don't know what you're talking about? How can they say amen when when they don't know what you're talking about? When it says those that are ungifted, not everyone has the gift. Not everyone has the gift of speaking in tongues because we know that says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So it says the one who is ungifted, how can we, how can they say amen? This is why it must be an interpreter. Now let's, let's continue. And it says at your giving of thanks, how can they say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying? So he can't say amen at your giving of thanks. So what now, what are they saying? What are they saying when they're speaking in tongues? Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. He is the he is our God. He is the only way to true life. He is the way to true and the life. He is the good shepherd. He is the great I am. He is the mighty deliverer. He is the one that has was anointed. He opened up blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. Amen. When we say that and we people can say, amen, it is so. Yes, they can say that. This is why we're told this. It's not so much what language that they're saying, it's what they're saying. So a person that speaks in a tongue and it glorifies man is not, that's not how it works. Speaking of tongues was for the edification. It edifies the individual because he's giving thanks to God. And we can give thanks to God in our own language and it edify us. But when we give thanks to the Lord and we exhort his holy name in the midst of a congregation, the people must understand what we're saying so they can say amen. So verse 17, it says, for you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. They're not edified because they don't understand the giving of thanks. They don't understand you reminding them of how good God is, about how gracious he is, about how loving he is. That they don't, they don't understand that. They don't pay, they don't partake of that. They don't, they don't get a chance to, to sit. They're just sitting there and they're listening to you um, go off and speak in a tongue that that's not their language. And I'm just gonna say, okay, let's say you are speaking in the tongue, right? But how is it edifying everybody else if they don't understand what you're saying? This is what Paul was saying. This is what he was saying. So speak with your mind. So you, you don't, you yourself can control this. If it's the gift that you have. And in verse 18, it says this, I thank God I speak in tongues more than, than you all. We know that he did because we've seen him. He went to the Lord, used him in different areas of the world. So he had to equip him with that gifting. If you're called out to do missionary um, trips and go all over the world, God will equip you with the gifts that's needed for that. But if you in your city with people around you that speak in your language, speaking in tongues does not edify them. They don't know what you're saying. Anybody can get up and say anything. You, and then the only thing is you cannot validate that. But when a person gets saved and they give glory to God, they thank Jesus for their salvation. They lift up his holy name as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can say, amen. 
Amen, church. Amen. That's true. He is good. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is the creator. He is perfect. He was perfect in all his ways. Amen. When we sit back and we think about that, we glorify God. That's what that means. Verse 19, it says this. It says, however, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a different language. He says in, in words in, in a tongue. So when we speak to one another, it's not so much as, as that's the, when, when a person is born again, guess what they're going to do? They're going to glorify God. They're going to glorify God so that you hear them in their language. When we look at what happened with Cornelius, guess what Cornelius did? He glorified God in the language of the hearers that were there. Come on now. He glorified God in their language. And they was like, man, this is the same thing that happened. Did you not know that everybody that got saved in the book of Acts did not speak in another language? But all people who got saved in the book of Acts that we see, they all glorified God. So it's what is being said that proves who they're talking about. Now, let's let's take a look at that. I want to give you the, the uh, an instance here in the book of Acts and show you this. And, and the one thing that I love about the book of Acts is because it shows us many different ways of how people receive the, the spirit of God, many different ways, many different ways how believers were identified as believers. Let's let's look at this. Let's see this. Um when a person comes to the knowledge of the truth, this is what happens to them is they glorify God in the name of God. This is why it says that um, here, here, let's, let's just read this. Let's read this in Acts chapter 13, verse 44. We'll start there. It says the Sabbath day, the next Sabbath day, nearly the whole church assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiated and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. They rejected it. They rejected the word of God and they, they became unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are truly, we are turning to the Gentiles. So he says, now they're turning to the Gentiles for so the, the Lord has commanded us. I have placed you as a light before the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, listen, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now, listen, when we talk about believing now, what did I just tell you? They glorify God with this hearing of this good news. Sound familiar? They glorify God at the hearing of the good news. 
with Cornelius. He glorified God. When he heard the message that Paul, that Peter preached, when he heard that message that Peter preached, he glorified God. When he believed, that's when he was filled with the spirit. He spoke in other tongues, but what was he doing? He was glorifying God. That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. And in here we see the Gentiles that was, that didn't never speak in another language. They glorified God. It says that they glorified the Lord when they heard it. And it says, and the word of the Lord was beginning to spread through the whole region. Now I'm going to stop there. And I, I just wanted to show you that because that's very important to understand. We have to understand that. It's not about everybody getting up and speaking in tongues because we know in, in Acts chapter 12, it tells us not everybody will speak in tongues. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's apostle. Not everybody is, has the gift of healing. Not everybody has that, but all of the members have what we need and we're, we're, we're knit together. We're one body and we serve the body of Christ. We don't all have the same things. And what's the purpose of the tongue in that, that instance? It was, it actually was for the unbeliever. Now, where does it say that added in the scripture that tongues was for uh, for the unbeliever? Well, we know that it happened on the day of Pentecost. Because the, the Jews were there, these tongues was assigned to them about God. Let's look at this in First um, Corinthians, chapter 14, verse 20. It says, brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Yet in evil be infants, but in your thinking be mature. He tells us to be mature in our thinking. This is something that we can activate. We can initiate. We can, we can nurture maturity in our mind by being open-minded and not being narrow-minded. In the law, it is written by men of strange tongues, languages, and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. That happened on the day of Pentecost. And even so, they will not listen to me. So God used these people to speak and glorify his name during that time. And it says, he says, they will not listen to him. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. So if we understand this prophecy is what proves is a sign to, to the believers that a person is a believer, not tongues. Tongues is not a sign to believers that they're a believer. Tongues are a sign to unbelievers that God is God. Let's read that again. Verse 22, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. So then tongues are a sign is for a sign, not to those who believe, but to those unbelievers. He was just talking about like the day of Pentecost, what happened? Those speaking of tongues, those people didn't believe when his tongues were spoken again later on to Cornelius with Cornelius and Peter, they didn't understand either. So he was showing it as a sign for those that did not, that did not believe that the Gentiles was the word was going to be for the Gentiles either. So then we see that the tongues was just proof at that particular time. It depends on who it was that it manifested itself to validate it to the unbeliever because God knows by the spirit. He knows 
what is supposed to be happening and who needs that uh, that uh, that extra um, confirmation, if you would. So but then he says, but prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but for those who believe. So what does that mean that prophecy is a sign for not to unbelievers, but for those who believe? It's easy. When. I give a word of knowledge to an individual then they should understand that that's coming from a believer because it confirms something with them, with them. And it's, conf it's a confirmation to them for the edification of the body. See, that's why prophecy edifies. Amen. It doesn't mean that I'm a prophet. It means that God used me in that sense, as far as a gift in that sense with the individual, like a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge and a word of prophecy. He could use me in any one of those ways. And they're all, these are all vocal gifts. He could probably give me all vocal gifts. And I have operated in all, all of those three vocal gifts. But when we see that we need to understand how this all works together and how we all plug into the church together as a body of believers. Amen. So then it goes on to verse 24 and it says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters in, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. Amen. So I want to, I want you to understand something. The, the secrets of a person's heart. Let me just read this next verse. The secrets of the heart are disclosed. And so he will fall on his face and worship God. See, the whole purpose of the prophecies is not to point people to man, but it's to point people to God. So the word that you receive should cause you to glorify God, because that's the whole purpose of the tongues was to point people to Christ. That was the whole purpose of the gifts was to point people to Christ. And this is where we see it in action is it's very simple that the gifts are not to point us to man because he doesn't want us to worship a man. He wants us to worship him as God. That's why he gives, he doesn't give one person all the gifts. He wants us to be relying upon the body of Christ in its entirety and not start to classify people as lesser than because everybody has something that God has equipped them with. That's going to edify the body of Christ. And it is our responsibilities as ministers, as ministers of God to ensure sure that everybody is actively engaged so that the body is built and healthy. Amen. Oh man. I, I, Hey, you, you just got to understand as we go through this, we go through the scripture and we understand what is being said. It actually really edifies us when we get this understanding of it, because I was in a church where someone told me if I didn't speak in tongues, then I wasn't saved. That is so ignorant and irresponsible for any pastor or leader to ever tell a believer that when we know in scripture, it says not everybody will have the ability to speak in tongues. Now, some people will tell you, well, that's different. That's not the same gifts as um, these other ones, because what Paul said, if I have gifts of, of, of angels. No, listen, listen, it does not matter. It does not nowhere say that there's another gift where everybody speaks in tongues, that would be totally confusing for the body of Christ. Not everybody speaks in tongues, but everybody can speak in tongues. That doesn't, and that, that, all that does is that tells you, well, you ain't speaking in tongues because you don't have enough faith to speak in tongues. You just need to ask for it and believe it. And then you got people out here trying to make themselves speak in tongues and they like, they really don't feel it. 
but they're doing it so they can fit in. And they don't need to do that to fit in because the spirit brought them in to the family of God. And we need to start to, to tear down those walls in, of the absolutes and saying, this is the only way that you're going to prove that you're a believer. And that's not true. That is absolutely not true. You mean to tell me that the people that were saved, faith is the only way for you to be saved. And if you want to prove that you are a believer, then you follow what Christ says. That's what we do to others. Even in the midst of people's ignorance is about our spiritual condition. We follow the word of God. It's, it's, it's exhumed through the way that we live that shows that we're true followers of Christ. But as we look in the scripture, I tell you that every person that was that was converted in the book of Acts, they all glorified God. They all glorified God. Now let's look over here in the book of Acts chapter 11. This is something that, that um, Peter was saying that I think is very important. And I'm going to go to verse 13, Acts chapter 11, verse 13. And it says, um, and he reported to us, how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you, which you will be saved. So the words, the words that he speak to him will, is what is going to save him. Because, see, that's what that, that's what's spoken in Romans chapter 10, right? How can a person believe in, a, in whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can one preach unless it be sent? What we see here that's going on with Peter is exactly what Paul spoke about in Romans chapter 10. So he was being sent to, to share the word of God with an individual. So all these people, um, I'm going to tell you, it's um, about a person being saved in their home by the spirit of God. I'm very skeptical with that because God has a way that he says that this is why we have to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not going to say it as absolute. Maybe he will. But as far as my understanding, according to scripture, I don't see what the purpose of God can. If, if the Lord is going to save people in their dreams, then why would he tell us to go out and preach the gospel? And why would that scripture, why would that be in the message? Is that being sent? And then I see what's happening here. Why did he just save Cornelius in his dream? Because it's not just about the person being saved. It's about edifying the person that's being sent. Amen. Everybody is edified in that message. When, whenever I live, deliver a word um, to an individual, I'm edified when they confirm that it was true. And it causes me to want to do more of God's will in this world and not be skeptical about what I'm doing. So it edifies me and it edifies them and it all glorifies God. So it says in here, and, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it did upon us at the beginning. So he said at the beginning, this is the same thing that happened to us. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, he makes, he makes this distinction between the Spirit and water. But for some reason, the church today doesn't make that distinction. Everything is water. Um, praise God. I don't want to get into that right now. 
But this is what he said. He said he remembered that Jesus, oh, he said that John baptized water, but what God is going to baptize us with, what Jesus is going to baptize with is what? With the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say this. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave it to them after believing them. He didn't say after baptism. The baptism was the, the gift for believing. It wasn't getting baptized. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to come back and preach on this one just separate by itself. But he gave us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? What do you mean stand in God's way for what? These people got baptized in water after that as an outward expression of what has already been done within them. And then it goes on to here and it says, when they heard this, they quieted down and they what? Glorified God saying, well, then God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Listen to this people of God. They didn't speak in tongues. These people here, they glorify God. And then what they, well, how did they glorify God? They exhorted his plan. Exhorted his plan. I've heard many times people out here saying that they're they're speaking in tongues and then they they say half of a sentence and then they come back and say, this is what God said for you. And that's not how tongues have been represented in the body of Christ and in the Bible. As I read through the scriptures and I don't see it represented that way. What I see it represented is as the word of God is being preached. What happens is is speaking well of God. And God is glorified. Now, can God be glorified because he gives us a word for somebody else? Surely. But that's not how that's not that's not how prophecy. That's not how I seen it operating, according to the scripture. It was it was always about glorifying God because they come to a revelation of who God is, not just what God's giving them. You understand what I mean? So it's not just that we praying and we we're asking God to give us something. And then he says, I'm giving you this. And then you glorify God. No, it's what he's already done is what we glorify God for is the eternal life, the salvation, the plan of God, his grace and his mercy, forgiveness of sins, the, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying power being set aside and marked with the, the, the mark of the lamb to be considered to be in the family of Christ, to be born again. That, that is enough to glorify God and thank you, Jesus, for life. So I'm going to go ahead and end this here. I've, I've been talking a little bit, and I actually want to stay at about 10 minutes, but it didn't happen. Hey, man, it's just the way it is sometimes. But I will tell you, I just want to encourage you today. No more absolutes. No more absolutes. Let's do some investigating. Let's go back and read and say, well, we can't say that. Let's not. Let's not. Um, create denominations and separate the gifts. Let's learn how to live amongst one another with our differences and in, in the way that God has equipped us. Some of us may, may speak in tongues. Some of us may have that gift. I always go back to first Corinthians chapter one, where it says that he gives us everything, all gifts. So we will be lacking anything until the day of his coming. Well, he hasn't come back. So that means that we still have all the gifts available, Right. But do we need the gift of speaking in tongues if we're in a room full of people that speak in the same language that we speak in? That's what I want to know. We don't, we don't need that. 
So let's speak in a tongue where we can edify our brother and our sister so they can say amen. So they can say amen as well. Let's prophesy. Let's seek that God will will um, use us in that in that aspect. Amen. When he says to 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 prophesy in this sense, to encourage one another, we should all encourage one another. According to the word of God, we may not have a inspired message to each, each other other than the fact that who God is and his truth. And, and to encourage our brothers and sisters when we come together, how do we encourage them and say, you know, we're all we're all in the same position. We're all sinners. But guess what? We have access to the throne of grace. We can come in because of the righteousness that was imputed upon us by our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I wanted to share today. No more absolutes. Let's not go around telling people that this is the way you got to do it. Let's not tell people that, oh, you did, you got to be water baptized first. You got to say forgiveness of sins. And a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you something. Show me in scripture where people ask for forgiveness of sins that was unbelievers before they were saved. I tell you, the only people that have ever asked for forgiveness of sins were believers. Those are the only ones that ever asked for the forgiveness of sins, because when you are a believer, your sins become visible to you in the in the book of John chapter one. It says that now, where does it say that? First John chapter one, verse eight. I want to go here because this is where we understand that. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So listen, in verse eight, it tells us if we say that we have no sin, then the truth, we not only deceive ourselves, but the truth is not in us. When you have the truth in you, you know, you know, when you sin, you come to the knowledge of righteousness, you know what sin is. When we seen the people on a day um, that John the Baptist baptized them, it says that they were out there confessing their sins because they were already the elect of God. When they was being baptized, they were confessing their sins. Amen. That's not what they was doing to be saved. They was doing that in repentance because they had already known. But now when you go through and you see people like the, the one leper that came back and the Lord says that his faith has, has saved him. Did he, he didn't ask for no forgiveness of sins. He didn't have to confess any sins or, or I know that that's, that's, that's before Christ was resurrected. I know people will argue that point. So let's go ahead over here. Let's see who did, did the, did the, um, did the, on acts of, in Acts 2.38, did they confess their sins in order to be saved? Or did they say, repent and believe for the remission of sins? See, there's a difference. Even in that sense, they knew what they did, too. Because they was already a part of God's elect plan as being Israelites and Jews. They were there at Pentecost for that purpose. But at the same time, they were asking what, what can they do because they're the ones that put Christ on the cross. So the repentance was to change their mind and say, look, this is Christ. You need to change your mind about him, believe in him for the remission of your sins and you shall be baptized. All of that stuff happened together because we've seen it happen with Cornelius. 
We've seen it happen with others that when they believe these things happen, and sometimes it happens in different orders, but we have to understand it's still happening. Amen. Cornelius never confessed any sins. He, matter of fact, he didn't open his mouth. All he did was listen to what Peter said. And then it says that the, when he believed in his heart, God pulled out, poured out on his spirit. See, God saves. God saves people. We can't come up with the we can't come up with um, a little step guide of how a person is saved. We just got to preach the gospel and pray that the, the that they believe what we hear and that God 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 will see who believes in their heart. He's the one that gives the spirit. We don't. So this is what we have to understand. Let's let's just step back and say and let the Holy Spirit do its work. His work. Amen. So I'm going to leave you with that today. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful week. And I pray that you just mull over this message. I pray you get everything that I said and understand where it's coming from. It's not about dividing a church. It's about unifying a church that we become one so we can do the and perform the will of God in this world. It is so much more to just people going to a church building and then going to having good service. Is being a believer is much more than going to church services and doing that. It's not a social club. Amen. It's a family that comes together to encourage one another in the father. And we talk well of our father in our house when we meet and we meet and we talk about the, the Lord and we encourage one another in this world because there is the world is ugly. I see people dying every day. And many, many more, especially this year, so many more people that I know. And I just thank God for every day that I get an opportunity to not only be with my family here, but share the word of God and encourage other people and continue to pursue the things that he has placed in my heart to help people while I'm here. I have to share this message and this gospel with the world until my time is up. So God bless you. Have a great and wonderful week. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. Remember to pursue peace in a divided world. We the church must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.